My name is Denise Balsh, and I'd like to welcome you to the Canadian Association of Optometrists podcast series. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Michelle Lane about ocular surface disease, commonly referred to as dry eye. And our topic today is taking dry eye seriously. As a brief introduction to Dr. Lane, um, she has spent her time growing up in Weyburn, Saskatchewan and Belleville, Ontario, and has been practicing in Frederick, New Brunswick since her graduation after earning her Bachelor of Science and Doctor of Optometry degrees from the University of Waterloo. Dr. Lane has a special interest in treating dry eye, so we're lucky to have her with us today. She has taken extra training and presented optometric continuing education and shared roundtable discussions with other optometrists on the topic of dry eye disease. As well as practicing full scope optometry, she is excited to be able to offer a dry eye disease clinic with leading edge diagnosis and treatment. She has been a council member of the New Brunswick Association of Optometrists since 2015 and is currently president of the association. She is also currently sitting on a committee of the Canadian Association of Optometrists, which is working to modernize insurance coverage of vision care. Welcome and thank you for joining us um, once again on our podcast series, Dr. Lane, and uh, to bring a greater understanding to the plan sponsor and benefits community about eye disease and the gaps in vision care plans. So as I said, we're going to be talking about why uh, folks should be taking dry eye seriously. Um, so maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that because the name doesn't really sound all that serious. So maybe you can explain to us what dry eye is. Yes. So in, in uh, simple terms, uh, dry eye or ocular surface disease occurs when the eyes either are not producing enough tears or actually more commonly when the tears that are being produced aren't the right chemical composition. So there's not uh, the right balance in the tears so that can lead to tear film instability. Oh, interesting. So who's at risk for this? Is there a demographic or ethnic background that's more likely to suffer from dry eye? Yeah, well, historically, we've seen that uh, women and uh, postmenopausal ages, uh, because of uh, hormonal changes over time, are at risk. But, you know, people who work in an office environment and spend lots of time in front of screens are also at risk. So we're seeing that all this, you know, becoming more and more prominent uh, in our patient base as people spend so much time in front of screens. We're seeing younger and younger people uh, developing dry eye issues. Uh, another segment of the population that can be affected are people who are affected by uh, autoimmune inflammatory conditions, uh, such as arthritis or uh, other autoimmune uh, diseases. So it affects a wide range of the population, but there are some key demographics that we watch out for when we see them in our practice. Yeah, very interesting. So what are some of the symptoms? So typically the symptoms are can be stinging, burning, scratchy, and believe it or not, watery eyes. Uh, watery eyes is a really big symptom. And that is uh, the hallmark of uh, a tear film instability issue. So if uh, an individual, particularly if they're working in an office, may be uh, postmenopausal and they're getting a lot of eye watering, um, it sounds like they should um, uh, make an appointment to see their optometrist to get that checked out. Yes, definitely. You know, dry eye disease, it's, it's more than a nuisance. It has a real impact on people's quality of life. 
and their productivity. So if you're, you know, sitting in front of a screen and your eyes are stinging and burning and watering and you're grabbing tissues and, you know, it's on your mind, it's constantly uh, a bother. Um, it's something that could definitely be treated and should be taken seriously. And, uh, you know, for your quality life and uh, quality of vision, it's a, a very important condition to actually take seriously. So what happens if um, an individual doesn't seek treatment from their optometrist? Well, dry eye is a condition that tends to be progressive and tends to get worse the more you ignore it. So um, lots of dry eye, really the hallmark of dry, what's causing these issues is inflammation. And so if you can imagine, if your eyes get dry, they get inflamed, and then you produce less tears. And then your eyes get more dry, and they get more inflamed. So it's a bit of a vicious cycle that can progress if intervention isn't taken. And um, you can end up in uh, big issues with uh, corneal scarring and irritation, which can affect your quality of vision. It's the type of issue that the earlier we deal with it and get it under control, the better the prognosis is. Um, if you, people wait until they're feeling terrible, it's harder to get things under control and uh, reined back into a, a comfortable and healthy state. In some cases, uh, people yeah. may benefit from prescription medications that reduce inflammation on the eyes. Uh, a lot of these medications are covered by people's insurance, so that is helpful. Um, but yes, you know, dry eye disease is a, a significant enough issue. There are prescription medications that uh, some people uh, qualify to be treated with. But to get those, you've got to get a diagnosis. So it's important to Correct. go to your optometrist if you are experiencing um, those watery eyes. I actually had a girlfriend that that was the case. She had the watery eyes chronically. And, um, and there was, it was quite serious at that point, but there was an opportunity to have it fixed. And she said, what do you think? I said, go get it done. <laughs> you don't yes. want to live like this for the, it's not only is it, uh, you know, from a medical perspective, you should get it done, but uh, it was, it, it was constant. I mean, she couldn't yeah. make up at all because it would just, it would just run all over her face. Like it was terrible. Yeah. It's a huge quality of life issue. Like if you're uncomfortable and thinking about your eyes all the time, um, you know, that's just one more thing we don't need to have on our mind all the time. Exactly. That's how our eyes are feeling. And people mention it, you know, if your eyes are watering all the time, everyone's like, why are you crying? <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> why are your eyes so red? And, you know, so, so people can be self-conscious about it. Yeah. Um, and it can really play on people's minds. Like there is a link with um, some mental health issues and dry eye um, as well. Yeah, I, I believe it. I believe it. So it sounds like it's a it's a, a bit of an oxymoron. So you've got dry eyes, but your eye will be watering more. Yes, yes, because the watering is a very common symptom. And uh, so it's dry eye. It's kind of the, the term that has stuck. It's the, the thing that people can recognize a, as a term for this issue. But ocular surface disease may be more more accurate. Um, but if your tears are flowing down your face, they're not on your eyes where they need to be. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so presumably, you know, if an individual notices, um, you know, over a period of time that they've got the, the fluid, um, coming out of their eyes, um, and when they're say sitting at their desk or doing other activities, mm -hmm. um, 
then they should make that appointment to see their optometrist. Certainly. Yes. Um, you know, make an appointment, let the, let the uh, receptionist know what your issue is. Um, some optometrists that uh, have some extra technology and diagnostic equipment, they may book you in for a specific dry eye assessment you know, in my practice, oftentimes I see people every couple years as their uh, benefits cover and they come in for regular exam and I ask probing questions because I want to identify these people who have dry eye. But uh, when I do identify these people, it's a lot to take in during a regular eye exam. I prefer to have them come back so I can do some extra testing to really pinpoint what is the cause of their dry eye disease and to come up with a proper um, plan and treatment, uh, regimen. So it's, you know, depending on the optometrist, they may have a, a particular protocol that addresses dry eye, um, because it is a bit of a complex issue because there's so many different causes. So there's not a one size fits all treatment. So to do the proper assessment in the first place to see, uh, what, the causes are for each individual is very important. So once an individual um, has that diagnosis, uh, say, you know, either you rebook them after a comprehensive exam, or they call in, uh, because they're concerned about all the watering that's taking place in their eye. Uh, and maybe they've got some irritation in their eye as a result. Um, so you see them first that for that first visit, and you provide a diagnosis. Um, how often do they have to come back and see you after that? That can be variable, but uh, typically when the diagnosis is, is first made, I will start with a, a sort of a baseline treatment plan because it can be overwhelming, all the treatments that are available. We don't want to just throw everything at someone right off the top. So we do, I use a sort of stepwise approach. So I may recommend, you know, if it's a tear film dysfunction, uh, warm compresses with an eye mask, uh, eyelid cleansing, artificial tears, omega-3 supplements. I'll explain the condition, explain why these treatments are necessary, get people started on those treatments. And then I'll want to see them back four to six weeks later to see how they're making out. And is there anything else that we need to go to? Uh, because there are some in-office treatments that can also be offered that if that first line of treatment isn't completely successful, we can add on steps. So it's, it's really individualized as to what the scheduling is, but um, especially in the beginning, when we first get the diagnosis and start with the treatments, we're going to want to follow up every four to six weeks uh, until we can come up with a, a good plan that gets the issue under control. Right. And it sounds like at least in the early stages, if it's diagnosed early, um, some of the treatments, as you, as you mentioned, are as simple as warm compresses. So that's, that doesn't cost anything. Right, right. Well, and you know, when it comes to warm compresses, there can be better ways to do it than others. You know, uh, I always say historically, we used to tell people to use a hot face cloth, right. but uh, ideally, you'd have the heat on your eyes for a good 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So there are masks now. So okay. you buy masks, they have beads and throw them in the microwave for 25 seconds, put it on your eyes for a good 10 minutes. Okay. So, you know, some of the uh, dry eye assessment and diagnosis is also having these discussions about uh, the, the best practices for, for getting a treatment. So, but when it comes to like, you know, 
what's the cost for dry treatments. It can be quite variable because it depends on what level the patient is at. Mm. Other things that can be quite straightforward is, you know, when you're on the computer, our blink rate changes. So typically we blink about 16 to 20 times a minute, put us in front of a screen, it goes down to four times a minute. That's 25% of normal. So having the conversation with our patients to say, you know, I know you spend a lot of time in front of the screen. Let's be aware that your blink rate's being effective. Just be aware of that. And, you know, every 20 minutes, take a couple of good big blinks um, because it's the blinking action that actually squeezes the oil out of those oil glands that then helps to rebalance the tear film. So there's some behavioral things we can talk about and those don't cost anything. No, that's great. And, and what do you sort of, what's the next level up in terms of treatment? Mm-hmm. So um, as I was saying, when it comes to dry disease, a lot of the time it's a tear film insufficiency or an imbalance. So there's not the right components in the tear film. And a lot of times we'll be talking about the oil glands and the eyelids being at issue. Um, so uh, we'll start often with uh, warm compresses and blinking uh, omega-3 supplements have also been shown to be helpful and uh, eyelid cleansing. So if those oil glands get clogged, bacteria can grow in there. Those bacteria lead to more inflammation. So by having a, a nighttime routine of cleaning your eyelids with web, uh, either a specific eyelid wipe or a spray, um, that tends to be my basis for starting off on uh, dry eye treatment. Oh, that's interesting. So, so, so some of the treatments are either, you know, almost cost nothing or are relatively inexpensive. And it's really um, sort of incumbent upon the patient to kind of get into a routine of doing some sort mm-hmm. of. And, yeah. And some of these routines, you know, people, it, it is about getting into a routine. It can be difficult to sometimes adjust our lifestyle to add all these things in. Yeah. So we do have some in-office treatments that can be available as well. Um, I, I was trying to, and I now remember where I was trying to go with the whole eyelid cleansing issue is that we, some practices do offer in office eyelid cleansing. It's kind of uh, what well, people refer to it as hygiene. It's almost like going to your dentist for a cleaning. You come to your optometrist for a cleaning of your eyelids because yes, you can do the home techniques, but if things have been going on for a while, sometimes you need a really deep cleaning to clean the eyelids. So some optometrists will offer different eyelid cleansing um, services in their practice. Um, Other things that can happen, those blocked oil glands, warm compresses at home can be helpful, but sometimes it's just not quite enough to really clear those blockages. So there are a a couple of really good um, technologies that do like a thermal expression where we actually heat the eyelids melt that oil, get those blockages cleared. So then when you go home and do your warm compresses, it's much more effective. And then there's uh, the next level of treatment. There's uh, light therapy. There's a process called intense pulse light IPL. It's, it's known in the aesthetic world as things used for uh, photofacials um, where it helps with dry eye is it was found that people that had rosacea and had these treatments done, it helped with their dry eye as well. So the doctor 
who discovered this studied it further and has come up with protocols for actually treating around the eyes with a photofacial type treatment. And so that's been found to be quite helpful for people, but it's looking at like a, a stepwise approach as to what's working for people. Do we need to take it to the next level and what type of technologies can we offer? Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, if people are aware that, you know, if they've got a, like a lot of this excess watering of their eyes, particularly if they're on a, a screen most of the time during the day, mm-hmm. um, that if they take sort of an early early intervention approach and seek out their optometrist, that it's going to be a lot better for them in the long run than waiting and leaving it until it, it gets really bad. Yes. Yes. And, you know, you get the stinging and the burning that goes around, uh, goes along with it, which in the redness and, you know, uh, other people noticing like, why are your eyes so red? Why are you, why are your eyes watering all the time? Why are you crying? So um, it can be something that like really affects people and the, earlier in the disease process that we take it seriously and start treating it, the more effective those treatments are going to be and the more comfortable and um, the patients are going to be with their eyes. What are the gaps in current uh, vision care plans? Because it sounds like this may be something where there's um, a gap in care. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find with a lot of the vision care plans, they're, they're quite uh, basic in that they'll cover an eye exam and perhaps have some coverage for glasses once every couple of years. And so it doesn't really take into account that as optometrists, we're doing more than just routine eye care. We're doing these treatments for people with specific conditions. So a lot of the dry eye assessments and uh, treatments, the patients often have to pay out of pocket. There are some insurance companies that if you uh, write a letter, ask vessel permission, they may offer some coverage, but I find those to be in the minority. Interesting. So what would you like to see uh, in terms of changes uh, or anything implemented with respect to diagnosis and treatment of dry eye disease? I'd like to see the condition taken more seriously um, because it does have a real impact on people's lives. And when it's taken more seriously and knowing that we as optometrists, we do have the tools and the expertise to recommend good treatment programs Uh, for patients, it will improve their quality of life, improve their productivity. Um, You know, where I have a special interest in dry eye, I have a dry eye clinic within my practice. Oftentimes I see people who've been suffering for years. So by the time they come to see me, you know, it's more difficult to get things under control. Um, If we can treat this at its earlier stages, take it seriously earlier, then people won't get into those situations uh, where we have a very difficult time controlling uh, the condition. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I guess my final question would be, um, if an individual is diagnosed with ocular surface disease, does it put them at higher risk for other eye diseases? Well, you can have uh, irritation of the cornea, which um, can lead to scarring and uh, vision compromise. And, you know, even just in general with having a a tear film dysfunction, it affects your quality of vision. So, you know, people come to see us to help for us to help them with their vision. We prescribe glasses, they invest in a good pair of glasses, 
But if their tear film isn't stable, if their their tears aren't uh, functioning normally, they're not going to see very well. So yeah. there's more to it than just uh, the uh, inconvenience or slight. It's not, and it can be more than just a slight discomfort. It can be a significant discomfort. There's also quality of vision and health of the front surface of the eyes. Um, with I was I was talking about before with those little oil glands in our eyelids. If they're chronically clogged and chronically inflamed, they will die off and stop being functional, and we won't be able to bring them back. So we need to treat them effectively at a stage where they're treatable so we can keep, you know, healthy, uh, comfortable vision for the patient's lifetime. Yep, absolutely. And it, it's, uh, it's actually, it's a sort of a good news story because um, ocular surface disease, it sounds like, you know, me as a layman, um, you know, it's something that's easy to diagnose and treat and manage if it's caught early and the individual is committed to kind of looking after it. Um, but if you leave it, it's that's when, you know, you risk having other complications and it's harder to treat. Yes, yes. It's complicated. It gets uh, yeah, much harder to get uh, good results from the treatments if it's been uh, going on for a while. Great. Well, I think you've certainly answered uh, sort of our question of the day, which is why, uh, why we should take dry eye disease seriously. Um, so I want to thank you for your time today. Um, in our preparation, I think you mentioned a couple of websites that uh, if people want more information about dry eye, that they can get some reliable information. Yes, the Canadian Association of Optometrists has a great website with lots of resources. Uh, their website is opto.ca opto.ca and if you search in the search bar for dry eye um, there's a, a good amount of information there um, another great uh, resource and website is mydryeye.ca so again a lot of information about dry eye and uh, some information about if you're trying to seek out practitioners that are using particular technologies um, there is a search feature there to look for dry eye interested optometrists in your area. Although saying that, you know, all optometrists uh, are trained to, to recognize and diagnose dry eye, but uh, some optometrists do go to the next level with the technologies they have available in their practice. Right. Well, that's super. I think that's, uh, that's all great information. And I really appreciate you spending the time with us today. Um, thanks very much, Dr. Lane. Great. Thanks. It was my pleasure to come on and speak with you, Denise.